This week on Daiwa, we're doing another bonus episode on a jail, the Squirrel Cage Jail. Welcome to Daiwa, the first Iowa-focused true crime podcast, where there's 99 counties and a murder in every one. These are your hosts, Beth LaValle and Allie Tulin. We are back with another bonus episode, and you didn't even have to wait three months this time. (laughs) So like we said in the intro, this one is covering the infamous Squirrel Cage Jail, which is located in Council Bluffs, Iowa, and within Pottawatomie County. We have not done Pottawatomie County yet, and I'm excited to say it is my home county. There are definitely a lot of fun facts in this county, and I'm going to start with the Black Angel. Mm, Very spooky. It is. Are you ready? Yes. So, Council Bluffs is home to General Grenville Dodge, and General Dodge was an acquaintance of President Abraham Lincoln and fundamental in the construction of the Transcontinental Railroad. Really, we could spend two hours just talking about General Dodge and all the great things he did, but for this fun fact, I want to focus on his wife, Ruth Ann Dodge. So, it's 1916, and Ruth was dying. And according to legend, she had a similar dream three nights in a row before she died. Ruth told her daughters about the dream and said she was on a rocky shore and through the mist she saw a small boat approach. At the front of the boat, a beautiful angel held a small bowl and spoke softly, encouraging her to take a drink. Again, Ruth had this dream three nights in a row and on the third night, she took a drink and told her daughters she felt like she was transformed into a new and glorious spiritual being. And then Ruth died after the third visit. So after Ruth's death, her daughters commissioned Daniel Chester French to create a memorial for Ruth based on her description of the dream. And in case you didn't know, Daniel Chester French is the same sculptor who created the Lincoln Memorial in D.C. He agreed to create the statue for Ruth, and it was dedicated in 1920, and the statue depicts an angel with one arm outstretched and the other holding a vessel from which water flows. Over the years, it's been vandalized a few times, and so now when you go, don't get creeped out when the cameras start going off for security purposes. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'm sure you've triggered those security cameras oh, many times. Many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. The dream. Yeah, the dream. It's creepy. And okay, I have one more Pottawatomie County fun fact before we dive into the actual squirrel cage jail. And I know you know this because of your nature gal days. (laughs) (laughs) But do you think anyone else knows that Pottawatomie County is also one of the counties home to the Lus Hills? Maybe not, so tell them more. The Lus Hills are made almost entirely out of windblown soil. According to visitlushills.org, towards the end of the last ice age, winds picked up soils that had been ground as fine as flour and formed dunes along the ancient waterway that became today's Missouri River. The process repeated itself during the thousands of years the ice age took to end, enlarging the dunes. Because the prevailing winds were from the northwest, the dunes on the Iowa side of the river were higher than those west of the Missouri. And although deposits of lust are found across the world, nowhere else but China are those deposits higher than they are in Iowa. So cool. And if you really want to check out the Lust Hills, we recommend visiting Hitchcock Nature Center in Honey Creek, Iowa. Yay. Okay, so our actual topic, the squirrel cage <laughs> tail. If the name isn't helping you get a mental image, which it, it didn't really for me, not gonna lie. <laughs> You've never seen a squirrel cage? I don't, I don't think so. 
So here's another description. The jail is basically a lazy Susan or a rotary jail, which means cells in the jail are wedges on a platform that rotates like a carousel. There are 10 wedges or cells on each floor, meaning the jail could hold 30 inmates. The Council Bluffs Jail was built in 1885 and was one of 18 built ever. However, it was the only one built that was three stories. For this episode, we interviewed Kat Slaughter, who is the museum director at the jail. Here she is introducing herself. I'm Kat Slaughter. I'm the museum's director at the Squirrel Cage Jail, and I've been there a little over five years now. According to the Historical Society of Pottawatomie County, the jail cost about $30,000 to build. There was also room for offices for the jailer, kitchen, trustee cells, and quarters for women in the front part of the building. The design was the invention of William H. Brown and Benjamin F. Huff, both from Indianapolis, Indiana. They were issued a patent on July 12, 1881, and declared, quote, The object of our invention is to produce a jail in which prisoners can be controlled without the necessity of personal contact between them and the jailer. It was to provide maximum security with minimum jailer attention. Kat gave us some more background on the history. It was built in five months from April 1885 until the second week of September. And it opened and was open for business up until December of 1969. The one that was there before, it was the Cottonwood Jail. And it was that one-room jailhouse that you think of, that little podunk um, (laughs) wooden one that they were able to dig out through the sides because it was just a dirt floor. So comparatively, it was very, very nice. $30,000 is kind of a high price, but then again, it's not because they knew that they wouldn't be paying for many staff. They wouldn't be paying too much transport. No uniforms were provided, so you would also save money there. You might be wondering why were only 18 of these rotary jails ever built? Well, the Pottawatomie County Historical Society also has a podcast called Accidentally Historic. We listened to an episode to learn more and found out that the jails were actually pretty dangerous. Arms, legs, and at least one head was reported being crushed. Another issue was safety in a disaster, say a fire broke out. Inmates are only able to leave if their cell is rotated to the opening. Also, there were some balance issues with the platforms. When there were balance issues, that meant that the jail cells could be stuck, and sometimes up to a couple days. So the inmates had no light, no heat, and no food. Kat said after just 20-some years, the jailers were not happy with the facility. Within the first 5 to 20 years, I think by 1903-1904, the jailer called it disgusting and not fit for humans. Um, and he was upset that his wife had to live in such conditions because it was smelly, it wasn't clean. Hygiene was not an issue there. Um, they didn't deal with it until at least the 1930s when plumbing comes into the building. A water motor was in the basement to help with rotation for about the first five to 20 years. But from either overuse or just a strain on it, it burns out during that time. So it moves to a manual movement, which is already kind of an early issue. And then if you don't balance the entire mechanism properly, it messes up the gears because they do need to be aligned. And it made it more and more difficult to rotate as time went on until 1960. You could potentially be stuck in there without food or water. People in the community were concerned about how humane the jail was, too. According to a Des Moines Register article from 1957, no prisoner stayed longer than six months. The prison had been condemned by every grand jury for years. While the jail saved on money and manpower, it was at the expense of inmate conditions. It was also reported to be very dirty and loud. Many articles from the time pointed to buyer's remorse. 
In the 1960s, the turntables that rotated the jail's cells were often getting stuck and becoming unreliable. So in 1969, Squirrel Cage Jail in Council Bluffs was closed by Pottawatomie County. It's said that the inmates were taken out in 1969, but not a lot else. So keep in mind, before 1969, the jailer and his wife also lived in this building. There was a bell and a buzzer to notify the jailer when someone needed to be brought in. So they lived directly over the inmates. So you'd have to go up past all three um, levels in order to get to your home. And you'd be able to hear the shouting and also the smells from the main jail would come up into your apartment as well. If you guys are fans of the show Ghost Adventures on the Travel Channel, Zach Beggins and his crew visited the Squirrel Cage Jail for an episode. They were specifically trying to channel the ghost of Jake Bird, and Jake Bird was a self-proclaimed serial killer. He was convicted for killing a 53-year-old woman and her 17-year-old daughter in Tacoma, Washington in 1947, but prior to his execution, Bird admitted to 44 other murders in 11 states, including Iowa. Nearly all of the victims of Bird, who was black, were white women. His weapon of choice was always an axe or a hatchet. He was held in the squirrel cage jail for a time beginning in 1928 after attacking a couple from Carter Lake, Iowa. He was sentenced to 30 years at Fort Madison, but ended up getting out on good behavior after about 12 years when he then moved across the country. When he was hung in 1949, he was only 47 years old and it's said that Jake Bird's spirit still lives in the Squirrel Cage Jail from when he was housed there. Others report some other ghostly activities, like hearing shuffling feet, having lights turn off, and the music box on the fourth floor playing by itself. Kat said she had personally experienced some potentially supernatural activities as well. I've heard footsteps distinct enough that I've gone upstairs to see anybody past me, and no such luck. I've heard whistling when I'm alone in the building, doors opening and closing, things like that. They do like to pet your hair, touch your shoulders. Some women will feel like they're kind of being led through, or their hands on their thighs, things like that. We've got quite a few EVPs after some of the sessions, and they come through fairly clear. One of my favorites was want to say 2018, but they were a bunch of new investigators that hadn't done it before, which means they're very quiet. So you could have heard a pin drop in there quite literally. Their voice says, I'm down here too. Nobody reacts to it at all. And like talking continues, we recognize down there, which was quite exciting. And it was a female voice, if I recall correctly. You'll be in there and you're looking for ghosts. Sure, you're investigating. And then it happens and it just... I know for my brain, I can't connect it always when you're watching the flashlight turn on and off and nobody's over there. Like the closest person is usually like four feet away at least. And it's going on and off at reasonable questions, not just randomly. But they do tend to, you know, cat and mouse is what we've talked about. They kind of follow around. Or I had one group that put, they had a motion detector on the fourth floor and one on the first floor. If they were on the first floor, the motion detector went off on the fourth floor. And vice versa. I think that happened for about six hours. She's not sure if Jake Bird's spirit is there or not. I don't know that he's there. I'm not terribly uncomfortable in the building and I would be his victim type. I think that I would be far more uncomfortable in there. And he spent a short time. We're just a county jail. So he was there during parts of his sentencing. Jake Bird did spend time in our solitary confinement as well. The jail also housed at one point the Mad Dog Killers, who were criminals and spree killers around 1960. Charles Brown was sentenced to hanging in the Fort Madison Penitentiary in 1961, and the youngest confirmed inmate was just 12 years old. The jail has his fingerprint card, which 
shows that he was sent to a reformatory school after he was found shooting chickens. And of course, we love a good escape story too, or attempted escape story. And Kat really delivered for us here. One of my favorite escape stories is probably there's the maintenance shaft inside of of this cell. So it's all that big circle in the very center is the maintenance shaft that also is a ventilation shaft. Well, that goes up to the fourth floor apartment. An inmate thought they would be able to get through there and get up to the very top where there's a trap door. Unfortunately, he could not get out. So he had to knock on the door that takes him through the jailer's apartment and he was taken straight back to his cell. I just love that he got stuck and just straight back down. We have from jumping headfirst through the window to crawling out through 15 feet of sewage. So those are some of the more, I don't know, fun ones. But we also have had jailers jumped, bound, gagged, things like that to escape. These escape stories really illuminate how this jail design was so good in theory, but was not really effective in any way. It was a great theory. Humans innately won out. We don't want to be in cages. And they didn't have, like the stuff you have today in a jail, you can have you know, reading or watch TV or things like that, which takes your mind away from those things. They got to sit in a dank, wet, mildewy cell and think about ways to not be in the dark, gross yeah. cells. But if you want to see or experience it for yourself, the Squirrel Cage Jail has been operating as a museum for about 50 years and continues to do so. You can still see many of the signatures and dates of the prisoners housed in the unique jail. And you can take a tour. Kat describes the experience. So you can go through all four floors. On the first floor, you get to go through kind of the first steps of where an inmate would go through because we start you in the booking office. And then you're able to see solitary confinement, which is about six feet tall, maybe two feet across and about a foot or two wide. Inmates could stay in there anywhere from 30 minutes to a couple of hours. Longest that we've been made aware of, though, is 10 days. It's small. I don't have shoulders to speak of, and I can hardly turn around in there. So you can see things like that all the way through the jail, the rotary portion. Unfortunately, of course, it doesn't rotate anymore. They had to stop that for safety reasons in 1960. But we have a model that shows how it would have rotated and how all of the doors would have worked previously. You can also see juvenile detention, women's housing, our infirmary, and where the jailer and his family lived. And the tiny kitchen where the jailer's wife prepared up to 90 meals per mealtime. And there are plenty of other ways to support the museum and Potawatomi Historical Society. All of our admissions go back into the building and into the society itself to help continuing on because we're run by the Historical Society of Potawatomi County and their mission is to preserve the past for the present and future generations. So that's partially why we have the museum in order to just be a hub of information and also show how much things have changed and a huge piece of the Industrial Revolution. You can also make donations through our website and we have a podcast as well that goes into some detail on some of the local history and a YouTube channel, I think, now too. Then we do allow paranormal investigations throughout the year. And then the prices for those, again, go straight back into the jail. We're a 136-year-old building, and so that does have some upkeep to it. And luckily, (laughs) we have amazing volunteers who donate huge amounts of time as well. So volunteering is another great way to help out there. And you get to play in the archives and see some of the back areas. There are two other rotating jails you can still visit. One in Gallatin, Missouri, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, and one in Crawfordsville, Indiana, that actually can still rotate. I tried to visit this one when I was back in Iowa this summer, but because of COVID, the times were a little wonky, so I didn't make it. But I think the times are somewhat back to normal, so I highly encourage you to visit, and hopefully I'll run into some Daiwa fans when I get there the next time. (laughs) 
And that is a wrap on bonus episode number three. See ya! Oh, hello there. As a marketer, I hate promotions like this. Same and same. But I love content. Me too. So if you like our content, give us a like, follow, share, subscribe, note, fax, literally anything you think would help us continue making Daiwa a success. Thank you, thank you, thank you.